Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. We're in the middle of our sermon series, Plot Twist. It's a guide to embodying our faith as a resurrected people as seen in the book of Revelation. Pastor Justin has preached on Revelation, calling us to hope and endurance for today. Last week, he preached that through worship, we embody and enact eternity. This week, I'll talk about how Revelation offers an ideal picture of the church that we can work to become today. Let us begin with prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago, I flew to College Station, Texas to bury my dear grandmother. My undergraduate is from Texas A&M in College Station, and I lived with my grandmother throughout college. It was a precious time. I hadn't been back to College Station since we moved my grandmother to North Carolina in 2008. And on the flight from Dallas to College Station, I thought a lot about my time in Aggieland. As the plane circled to land, Texas A&M's football stadium, Kyle Field, was unmistakable in the landscape. In the ACC, basketball is king. But in Texas, football reigns supreme. Since I was there as a student, they've added on to the stadium, which now holds more than 100,000 fans. With a student body of 73,000 people, I guess you need a big stadium. I remember my time there as a student in the late 90s. On home game days, students would stream in from all over campus. One of the things that makes Aggies unique is that we don't have cheerleaders. Instead, the week before classes begin of your freshman year, you go to camp and you learn the traditions and memorize the words to the yells. On game day, the student section of 34,000 students stand the entire game and they yell in unison, every word to every yell, the entire game. My favorite game was against an opponent that had never played at Texas A&M and their quarterback had unwittingly prepared only verbal calls for his plays. But the students were so loud that the opponents couldn't hear their own plans and they were confused. It wasn't until halftime that that team had a chance to regroup and convert their verbal cues to visual cues, and that's when they were actually able to complete a play. When it's time for the school song at Texas A&M, you toss your arms over the people on either side of you and overlap your legs with theirs for stability and you sway together. No matter your major or your hometown, in Kyle Field, we are the 12th man, singing and cheering our way to victory. 
It's a fun place to be. And if you ever have a chance to go to a game at A&M, I guarantee you it will be an experience. I appreciate you indulging my nostalgic trip down memory lane. But I, when I read this passage in Revelation describing this massive gathering of people who have come to worship, this was the largest group of like-minded people I think I have ever been a part of. Now, was it worship? That's probably for another sermon. Our scripture today starts with the verse, after this, I looked and there was a great crowd that no one could number. They were from every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing before the throne and before the lamb. They wore robes and held palm branches in their hands. What a great image. It is a gathering of people who have come together to worship. It is a church service, if you will. When all believers have entered the presence of the Lamb of God seated on a throne, it is a community defined by three primary characteristics. They are a great multitude. They are all robed in white and they hold palm branches. First, a great multitude. This is a reference to an earlier numbered 144,000, but this is really just symbolism intended to convey too many to count. This group, we are told, is diverse in nationality and language. This is reflected for us in our baptismal vows that we'll say today as our youth are confirmed. We'll ask the same question that has been asked of you, that has been asked for many before you. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. This vision of the church is one where all people, regardless of race, gender, sexuality, age, socioeconomic status, and background are included in this grand cosmic party. It is a community of diversity. Second, we are told that they are all robed in white. This is meant to convey equality. The tradition of clergy wearing white albs or robes comes from the sacrament of baptism in the early church. When folks were baptized, they would strip down, walk through the baptismal pool, and as they climbed the steps on the other side of the pool, they were dressed in a very simple white robe. Everyone, no matter their economic status, wore the same simple robe. The pastor's alb is meant to be a mirror to remind you of your baptism. It's not a status statement like the big black preaching robes fashioned after the educated from Oxford. Despite the diversity of this multitude in Revelation, there is equality. 
this community of the future is one in which all stand before the throne of grace as equally redeemed by God, a community of equality. The third characteristic of the group worshiping in Revelation is that they hold in their hands palm branches. This is an unmistakable reference to the palm branches of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem that we celebrated on Palm Sunday. The community of the future is single-minded in its purpose. It's to give praise to God. The true source of their victory the object of their worship. The community of the future, the community of the end time is one of diversity, equality, and praise. For many modern readers, reading the book of Revelation is a challenging experience. Most of us are unfamiliar with this kind of literature and we find its imagery strange and even grotesque at times. It's so full of violence that a first-time reader might be tempted to think of it as some sort of science fiction horror story designed to do little more than to frighten and entertain. In fact, Revelation has much to teach us about how Christians ought to live in today's often troubled world. Revelation is thought to be written by an otherwise unknown early Jewish prophet named John toward the end of Emperor Domitian's reign. We think about 95 to 96 CE. This was when Domitian launched a persecution of Christians who were charged with a variety of crimes, including atheism, which was a failure to support, a failure to support the worship of the Roman emperor, and drifting into Jewish ways. Revelation is a form of literature called apocalypse. Like other writings of this genre, Revelation has a visionary, in this case John, who receives visions through an angel and then later writes them down. These visions are filled with symbolic language. Sometimes the seer is given an interpreter to help him understand the vision. Usually they reveal secrets and the meaning of future political and historical events. In some apocalypses, the seer journeys into heavenly realm to see these things for himself. Apocalypses share some important similarities with the literature of the Old Testament prophets. Although we tend to think of prophets as predictors of the future, their primary role was to call people to change their hearts and lives so they could be God's holy ones. Even though we think of them as primarily predictors of the future, their primary role was to call people to change their hearts and lives so they could be God's holy ones. When the people found themselves in trouble, the prophet's role was to comfort and to help them remember that God is always faithful, even when we are not. We see this in Revelation in the messages to the churches in Asia Minor with words of comfort for those who suffer harassment. 
Apocalypse also shares some important similarities with wisdom literature, like Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes. Wisdom literature is primarily concerned with questions about universal truth, of meaning of life and death, of the problem of evil. Revelation gives considerable attention to the problem of evil. Why do the religious suffer without reason? Why aren't the wicked punished? What is the meaning of human suffering? Where is God's justice? Revelation addresses such questions in grand fashion using highly charged symbolic imagery and dramatic speech. Our instincts would interpret today's reading as a vision for the future. But remember what we said, the community of the future, the community of the end time is one of diversity, equality, and praise. The early Christians who first heard these words would have understood them to be less about the future and more about the possibilities of the present. So what are we here to learn? First, John calls us to become a church of diversity, a church that reaches out to people who have long felt shunned by the church because they were thought to be the wrong kind of people. The future prompts us to believe that we can become the body of Christ more numerous than the eye can see from all walks of life, all the way to the ends of the earth. And this vision rests on your posture toward invitation. There are folks in this congregation today who feel like they don't quite fit. It is your responsibility to assure them that the opposite is true. There are folks outside the sanctuary who have not yet heard words of welcome. These also are yours to invite. If not us, then who? Second, the church John tells the church to become a community of equality. We must be a church that proclaims all are equal. All are the children of God. There is no one who deserves to be shunned from the church or to be considered second rate in the church. When Pastor Justin presides at the communion table, he often says as he breaks the bread, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. This is a weekly reminder of equality and unity in the presence of God. The third way that Revelation calls us to become the church of the future today is as a community of praise. Like the Texas A&M students focused through one purpose and one voice, we are to be a church that is clear about our priorities. Not becoming more club-like, but more Christ-like. Not becoming more self-centered, but more Christ-centered. A church that directs the world toward the glory of the risen Jesus. John tells the church to go out into the world, into the face of persecution where the odds are stacked against them and make it happen. 
For the martyrs that faced Domitian, they did just that. Now it's our turn, a church of diversity, of equality and praise from now until the end of time. Let us pray. Lamb of God, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and always. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.